Welcome to Left on Red, the Daily Mountain Eagle's new political history podcast. I'm Jennifer Coron. And I'm Drew Gilbert. We hope this is uh, welcome back. We hope that you listened to our kickoff episode and thought that we had potential and uh, and wanted to come back and see what else we could get into in episode two. So we, we hope we, that we're we welcoming cert- you back. We certainly understand if you didn't come back. I right. get it. And I get it. if you didn't listen to the first one, which... I'm kind of OCD. I can't just jump into the middle of a podcast. Right. I have to listen to the first one. But if you didn't, go back and listen. So uh, today's format is going to be a little different. This will be our normal format. We're going to have a guest in every time. And today's guest is Senate Majority Leader Greg Reed. That's right. Mm-hmm. A, uh, an exciting interview. Uh, and, of course, shameless plug, uh, a Cordova boy. Cordova. We, we raised him up. You're going to hear that mm-hmm. a lot. Um, so, yes, we had a good interview with Greg. Um and tried to talk a lot to him about when he first came on the scene at the county because again keeping with our theme of the changing uh, political landscape in Wonker County Greg was mm-hmm. there at the beginning of it he was and he doesn't get to answer questions about about that period so much anymore so we well, talked to him a lot about that you know and not just talking about the interview with Greg but hopefully the entire theme of this thing we're we're not trying to interview elected officials like like a normal newspaper interview or, or news interview that's not like what that. we're going nope. for uh there's a narrative here we want to we want to point out this changing political landscape of walker county which is you know 30 years and we want to talk about the whole picture but also like who are you you mm-hmm. know what makes you tick what's your plans where are you going and uh, and i think i think greg opened up and, and really talked about all of that mm-hmm. stuff with us he did uh so here's the interview with greg okay we'd like to welcome to the podcast State Senator Greg Reed, one of our many uh, Cordova guests that we've already mentioned, that we're uh, we're gonna have a lot of Cordova folks on in here, and he is perhaps the most uh, premier of them all. So, if you didn't mention the excited. Cordova roots, I was gonna force it into mm-hmm. there. So I'm glad Super you fit. Super excited. It. Hey, yeah. This is this is a Cordova triangle. That's right it. <laughs> that's it. It's that's terrifying for a lot of people. <laughs> uh, so let's let's take you back a little bit to roughly 1998. I think you were about okay. 33 years old and you became chair of the local Republican Party. And first I'm just going to throw out a quote that I understand had great significance for you back then. I'm sure it still does, but, but help me understand the context in which that quote was important to you in 98. It's from Reagan, if not us, who, if not now, when? What was that quote about for you? That quote was September of 81. I had it hanging in my office then, and I have it hanging in my office now. Um, When I went to the University of Alabama as a student, right in that window of time, um, was I graduated from from Alabama in 86. Mm -hmm. And um, Ronald Reagan, of course, was elected in 80. And then there was uh, a time there, right as I was coming to the University of Alabama, that uh, Ronald Reagan made a trip to Tuscaloosa. You may remember the story uh, where he stopped at a McDonald's and had the motorcade stop, and he got out, ate a hamburger with an Alabama student <laughs> that was there in a McDonald's restaurant. I don't know that something like that could happen in today's world, mm-hmm. but um, I was just so impressed with Ronald Reagan at the time. And, of course, as time has gone on, America has been impressed with President Reagan and all of his accomplishments. But uh, at the time, I was looking for things Reagan S. And uh, that statement was one that I, I had heard on several occasions. So when the opportunity came for my wife Mitzi and I, who uh, you know Mitzi well, mm-hmm. and uh, Mitzi and I are both Cordova folks, 
Uh, she grew up in Dovertown. I grew up on the Gardner's Gen Road. We both graduated from Cordova High School and were high school sweethearts, and the rest is history. We've been married for 31 years. But um, when we moved back to Walker County, which had been our goal mm-hmm. uh, after college, I lived in Mississippi for a while. Then we lived in Birmingham for a while after we were married. and But we moved back, wanted to raise our family in Walker County, and that was our goal, her goal, my goal the whole time. So when we came back, I was always interested in politics and wanted to get involved in uh, in public life if there was an option. Now, I had a family to raise and a business to run and a lot of things to do. So I had a fellow who was a friend of mine came to me and said, would you be interested in running for the Republican Party Executive Committee at the state level? Long story short, I ran for that office. Nobody knew who I was, and I got beat. And um, so after that, they said, well, if you're interested in the Republican Party, why don't you get involved in the Republican Party? And I can remember thinking, do I really want to do this? I love opportunity for public service. And um, that statement from Reagan was an element that helped me make my decision that public life, if done in the right way, is certainly in service to others. And we all are looking for those ways to be in service to other people. You know, serve God while we're serving others is kind of a an idea that we all want to, to share and strive for. So that statement has been with me a long time, and uh, it has been kind of a bedrock of, look, you don't have to do this, but you're supposed to do this. Mm-hmm. So get in there, buddy. And that was kind of my attitude, and, uh, you know, here we go. And the situation <laughs> that you jumped into, so Walker County had um, a long history of being a Democratic county, and specifically, um, I pulled these numbers. So in 1996, only 8% of the voters in Walker County had voted in the Republican primary. So that's roughly where the party was in, in 98 when you become the chairman. So tell us a little bit more about what you remember about the status of the party. I got the feeling from some of the articles, y'all were a party on the move, but it hadn't happened for you yet. Yet This was a, a, a time to build that base. So what did you jump into in 1998? Well, when I came in to the, to the party structure, um, you, you had not a lot of structure really at all. And, um, and I was brand new. I was a young guy. I didn't really know what I was doing either. And they were glad that I was willing to do it because nobody else was really willing and interested. And it was something that I felt like was something I needed to do. But um, I had several people in the party that were very instrumental and very encouraging to me that were Republicans that had been Republicans for a long time. Uh, you all may remember uh, uh, Dr. Jim Rutledge, who was a pathologist here in Jasper for many, many years, passed away a number of years ago, and uh, his wife, Rhonda. They were friends and were involved in the Republican Party. Uh, my mom and dad were involved in the Republican Party at the time. Uh, you had um, another gentleman from Carbon Hill, Sim Tittle, who is the father of Mike, who owns Viking Office Supply. Um, he was a Republican guy and was very encouraging to me. I can remember one time Sim came to me. We had had four meetings in a row, monthly meetings, and could not conduct business because we didn't have enough people based on the bylaws to conduct a meeting. We couldn't change the bylaws because you had to have enough people at the meeting to change the bylaws. So he he came to me and said, 
come on now, we're we're we'll we're gonna get some more people involved. We'll be okay. You just keep on, you know, saying good stuff in the newspaper, and we're gonna be okay. Sim was a good friend, and uh, he was very encouraging to me at the time. A lot of other folks that were involved and involved for the right reasons. You know, there was never a really raw adversarial kind of a relationship between us as a fledgling Republican Party and the Democrats, who at the time I took over as chair, we only had one Republican office holder, and he didn't actually win Walker County, and that was Senator Kurt Lee. Mm -hmm. I remember Kurt. Yeah, Kurt served two terms in the District 5 seat that I'm currently in. And um, Walker County, of course, was part of that seat, but you had other areas like is my district now where you had other counties that were involved. And uh, he was a Republican, but he did not carry Walker County. So he was the only one out of maybe 23 office holders or whatever. So we had a long way to go. But um, I can remember several folks that were very encouraging. Miss Barton, who was the chief clerk for uh, Rick Allison at the probate office, um, was very encouraging to me. She had known me from when in Cordova when I was a little kid. And um, so I can remember when I took over as chair, she asked me to come to the probate office, and she gave me a thick green book, green-bound book, and it was election law for the state of Alabama. And I said, Miss Barton, there's no way I'm going to know what I was in this. She said, I'm not giving it to you for you to memorize. I'm giving it to you for you to refer to it when I tell you things that are in it. Uh-oh. <laughs> and um, I said, yes, ma'am, and was glad to have it in her counsel as time went on. And uh, So what was the, the pitch to the voters? What I mean, what was the central message to get people to consider making that initial switch? You know, the message at the federal level was changing. Mm-hmm. We talked about Ronald Reagan. We talked about the significance of uh, President Reagan and um, the uh, the work that he had done at the federal level. And you began to see uh, changes in Congress. Um, Congress was still Democrat, but you wound up with some some strong leaders. You had had some Republicans in Alabama, um, like Jeremiah Denton, who was a war hero that had been a Republican. Um, and so you, you had some things that were changing at the federal level. Philosophically, many of the, the Bible Belt beliefs and, and focus for those that were very conservative, yet Democrats, many of the national trends had begun to change. And um, as you saw that, that change, it, um, it became something that people in Walker County and across Alabama were talking about. But um, it, was, it was an issue to where we pointed constantly to look at what's happening at the federal level. We need to be in lockstep um, with what we know is right at the federal level, we need to have that same attitude at the local level. And in many regards, we did, those that were serving in office, even though Democrats were still very conservative. But the labeling was the focus. And uh, let's all be Republicans if we're going to be conservatives. And to uh, explain the success of that, I mentioned that 8% of the voters had voted in 96. So 98, the year that you took over in the midterms, uh, 26%, uh, y'all had risen to 26%. And then in that general, uh, 45% went for Republicans. I assume, based on my reading of it, that meant straight party voting, 45%. So that was uh, so that was 
quite significant, some the success that y'all were able to have just in a very short period of time. Well, the success was not certainly mine. It was a whole lot of people that were interested. But, you know, honestly, Jennifer, we were just, we were giving people another thing to think about. And it wasn't so much Republican, Democrat, at the local level, it was, what do you really believe? You know, are you conservative? Are you liberal? It's not good or bad. It's just decide what side you, you want to be now. on. You have a choice now. And so as a result, that became a lot of what we talked about back then. You, you've created my segue for me, so mm. great work, He did Senator. that very yeah, nicely. I mean, I'll, I owe you money, I think, for doing that. Uh, one, of the, one of the big things for me, the only elections I've had to run have been nonpartisan, and I'm a big fan of that, of not having to claim a team or be defined by someone else that has the same letter next to my name. Speaking from the federal level to you, I have the opportunity to know you, to meet you, to have conversations with you, and I, and I find you to be a, a great leader. Uh, I think you're a really great man. Uh, I think you, you, you vote your conscience in your district and you try to take care of your people. There are people within your party that I don't think are anything like you uh, at the federal level. I think they speak completely different from you. I think they have a different message overall. They just have the same letter next to your name. I feel like we've created an environment where you're not allowed to respond to that. You can't call out your own teammate now, like if they have your letter. Uh, can you speak to like, is that really difficult for you to just bite your tongue or not say things? Or what is that like for you kind of day in and day out? Well, you know, it's uh, there are times that we as Republicans disagree. Mm -hmm. You know, in the role that, that I'm in currently as majority leader of the state senate, which is a great honor to me, and my colleagues elected me, mm -hmm. the 27 members of the Republican Republican caucus elected me to be their leader. Um, the idea that we have more trouble getting along amongst ourselves <laughs> than we do getting along with the Democrats yeah. um, is absolutely the case. Uh, when you think about different levels of uh, an issue and where people wind up, whether they're all the way to the right or kind of in the middle or more, you know, to the left. Uh, it's different for different people at different times. I think the one thing that's very important for me as as leader is really two things. Number one, I need to know where you are, mm -hmm. okay? And I need you to know that I am not going to try and influence you to be something that you're not. Mm -hmm. So... Um, that has worked pretty well in the Alabama legislature, certainly in the Republican caucus. We've had some very difficult issues that we've moved through, a lot of them on procedural votes or preliminary votes, and then you wind up to where we're kind of all on the same page once you get to the big vote issue, once all of the amendments and parts and pieces have been moderated and modified. You, you're kind of pretty much on the same page. But the, the part that allows us, even in our own party, to get it right is the fact that we can fuss and fight back and forth mm -hmm. amongst ourselves to get it to a place to where that idea had somebody else decided this is the way we need to do it and you're all going to have to toe the line. Well, then that other idea would have never seen the light of day. That's right. So you wind up having a a much better product for the people, even though it creates some, some anguish and, and aggravation mm -hmm. getting there. I think, unfortunately, what we see in Washington lots of times is that there is a hard line drawn. Yes. And if anyone wants to cross the line, then they wind up being held in contempt. Yep. And uh, 
you can't do that if the goal is to get the best possible product for the people then you've got to have an attitude that says look there are a lot of different thoughts and ideas within this you know this issue let's hear them all and Mm -hmm. then you know let the pushing and pulling create what will be the best product in the end many times that product is not as liberal as some would like, mm-hmm. not as conservative as some would like, more in the middle. Uh, I've made a statement on a number of occasions in Montgomery related to significant legislation. If you've got a piece of legislation that everybody hates but is willing to vote for, hooray, you've accomplished something. That's right. Because you know that people have compromised and they've been moderated in their attitudes to be able to get a basic theme accomplished. And as a result of that push and pull, you normally wind up with a pretty good product. I think if there was more of that in D.C., uh, on both sides of the aisle, we would probably wind up with a better product for the American people. And that's the good thing for me, not ever having to have declared myself one way or the other. I love to blame you both. Like, I, you know, I don't, <laughs> I don't pick one or the other. Sure. Um, but, yeah, I certainly agree with you. If we can return more to that, that middle ground is where legislation really occurs in most cases. It's, it's never too far left, too far well, right. The, the good stuff usually happens. In the you've middle. heard the statement on multiple occasions, politics is the art of compromise. It absolutely is. And, uh, and it really is. And that's what you need to have that attitude and be open to that rather than, you know, having such a hard line yeah. on things yeah. that you're unwilling to to look at new thoughts or creative ideas. And I hope we see more of that, like you said, in D.C. in the future. I hope we're going to see a shift back towards that. I think that both sides maybe are getting tired of beating their head against the wall, and hopefully we see a little more compromise. Well, I think the way we will see more compromise is when the American people are on different issues are able to say, hey, we're expecting you guys to get the job done. Yeah. And if you don't, then you're going to have consequences. Well, and we may have been a little bit lazy as voters at the national level, too. We're not holding people accountable. You know, we're not we're not pulling that hire and fire switch maybe as often. And so maybe that's that's on us for the power of democracy to start being a little louder. Sure. Um, transitioning a little bit, I don't want to talk too deep on legislation, but obviously we've had a little bit of relationship with my time served in Cordova. You know, I don't mind picking up the phone. Uh, when we need money for something, typically, sure. let's be honest, it's usually a very selfish call from from my end of things, and you usually find the money for me, so uh, very appreciative. But then on a, a personal level for me, you know, my family, uh, we run a business, uh, we, we run a brewery, and that's something that uh, that I don't think you personally are ever going to just be hanging out in there on a Friday, Saturday night drinking a beer with me. Um, but recently there was a modernization act that came through Montgomery, uh, it kind of loosened up a little bit uh, with our business. Uh, it helps um, simplify the tax structure where we're still paying taxes, but it's easier for us to calculate that number, uh, but also made some moves that helps us grow in the future. It helps us create second locations and make it a little easier there. Uh, and you voted in favor of this piece of legislation, and I thought that that was really a testament to what you've been in Montgomery. You have two breweries in your district. Uh, it's not something that is necessarily personally near and dear to you, uh, but you voted because I felt like yeah, it helped your constituency, helped small businesses in your in your uh, district. Am I right? Is that why you voted it? Or, or tell me more if there is more. No, Mayor, I think, I think you're right. Okay. You know, there are some issues that are bedrock foundational elements of my life mm-hmm. that if those topics come up, then 
I am absolutely going to vote a particular way based on not only what I think, but what I think my constituents think. Mm-hmm. We went through an issue like that, and I've had that on several occasions with topics associated with sanctity of life issues. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's always a hot topic, but it's one that I, I feel very strongly about, and I think many in my district do as well. You know, the topic of uh, saying, are, are you going to be supportive of economic development? Are you going to be supportive of better business legislation um, with the manufacturing of steel or the manufacturing of beer? Um, how do you draw the line and make a determination that one is good and the other one is not? Mm-hmm. I mean, the community is engaged and involved uh, in all of it. And uh, and so I, re- I recognize that. You know, if... Um, one of the things that I've, I've said to several of my colleagues is I've now served, I'm going into my third term, and I've served with different members uh, throughout five counties. I represent 27 municipalities, uh, uh, 60-something schools, uh, work with five different county commissions um, across my district. And um, I made the statement to, uh, not in Walker County, but in another county, uh, if you guys come to me, and this is something that you want to do and you think it's best for your citizenry um, in this particular municipality. I said, look, I'm going to support you. Number one, you were elected and put in that place to make wise decisions for your community. Number two, the idea that I would overstep you because I thought I knew more about your town when you're the mayor of a member of the city council than you do, well, then shame on me. Mm -hmm. I need to know my place. And um, so with that as an attitude, I've always been very open to try and look for what I thought was going to be best for, for different communities. Um, you know, you're right. Am I, am I looking to, uh, you know, be one of your top customers? <laughs> um, you haven't made the list yet. Maybe, I can verify that. Maybe not. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm glad that your business is successful. I'm mm-hmm. glad that things are going well. But the bigger question with that is, you know, what's the right thing for our community based on what information I get mm-hmm. from leaders in the community? I'll give you a perfect example. Um, I was just at the Foothills Festival uh, here in the city of Jasper. You talk about a gazillion people oh, everywhere. everywhere. Mm-hmm. I think the mayor told me the number was like, you know, 28, 30,000 yeah, people. 30 this year. Just mm-hmm. a, a fantastic thing for our community. Um, one of the issues with that became a challenge in the past was a, uh, an entertainment district topic. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was a topic that one of our House members brought up. And they said, well, are you going to be willing to support this? And uh, I said, sure, if the, if the city council says that's what they want to do. City council came to me and the mayor came to me with a unanimous decision that this is what we think is best for our community and these particular type, you know, festival settings and the like. Uh, would you be willing to support it? And I said, I would. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, voting my district is very important to me. Uh, being able to be out in my district and around, understanding and knowing uh, what's important is very important to me. Being able to know my place. Uh, I made a statement to somebody <laughs> earlier this week. They were calling and asking me to do something that there is no way I can do. Right. And uh, I told this gentleman, uh, I said, look, buddy, I'm just the senator from District 5. I'm not the dictator of Alabama. There is no way that that is going to happen. At the same time, 
um, I want to be really cognizant and respectful of all the other elected officials that are in my district. Mm -hmm. They work hard. They make sacrifices. They were elected by the people. They're making wise choices and decisions. I want to be supportive in what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, I certainly appreciate that from both seats that I that I sit in. Uh, and like I said, we're not going to agree on every vote. I mean, every time you vote sure. in Montgomery, I may disagree with one of them. But I know at the end of the day, there was there's usually it feels like with you. That was a good reason the way you voted, so uh, I'll, I'll never argue with that. Well, and I hope that's the case. I've had different groups over time that I've had some conflict with because, mm -hmm. you know, of this reason, that reason. Um, the one thing I've said is please judge me on my body of work, not on one particular that's issue. It. We may not agree on that, and there may be a lot of elements to something that maybe I understand that you wouldn't have access to understand or mm -hmm. be able to know, or vice versa, that you may be right and I made the, made the wrong decision uh, because I didn't know, you know all of the detail. But uh, bottom line is judge me on, on my overall body of work, not mm -hmm. just on one thing. Well, Greg, what's next for Greg? Political career, we, we stay in with Pat? Do, do we want to do something else? You know, I've... Uh, I certainly would have, have an interest as time moves forward, mm -hmm. you know, Lord willing, that uh, if I got an opportunity to serve in a higher position within the state Senate, mm -hmm. that would certainly be something that would be uh, exciting for me, and I think it would be a place that, that I've worked hard to prepare myself to be able to serve. It would be good for our community if I were in that, that opportunity. Um, running for statewide office at some point in the future uh, would be something that you know, in the right circumstance, I would be willing to consider. Mm -hmm. Things are a little different, uh, you know, at home for me these days. Yep. Mitzi and I, we don't have anybody at home but us. Uh -huh. You know, our twin sons, one's in uh, South Carolina, one's in Birmingham, uh, civil engineer and a businessman, owns his own business. And then our younger son's going to graduate from the University of Montebello after a career in baseball, college baseball player. He'll graduate in December and hopefully get a job and move on and be successful. And I like all the, the hopefully things, in yeah, there. <laughs> all the things he, he wants to do. So, um, you know, as as we move forward in the future, I'm uh, I'm 54 years old, mm -hmm. of which I just think is absolutely a youth. I, I um, do too. You know. that's, still a, that's still a young leader <laughs> to me. Yeah. So, you know, who knows? We'll see. But uh, uh, I, don't, I don't take it lightly. I have a lot of people that I have great respect for me. Uh, I have great respect for that mm -hmm. say to me from time to time, you know, we, we wish you would continue to look at being involved in public life and maybe run for a higher office, and I'm certainly willing to consider that if the opportunity they'll always ask. Itself. They'll always ask that of you, I've found out. So, yep. yeah. You're right. <laughs> you got to you know take that, those and try. You know that feels. <laughs> I'm going to let Jen wrap you up here. Sure. Well, we said we weren't going to uh, nail you down on legislation, but uh, we may break that rule a little bit. Uh, uh, we've heard rumors that you may introduce something at one point that would outlaw uh, bad hair days in Alabama. <laughs> uh, uh, what say you, Senator Reid, about bad hair days? Uh, Do you have them, sir? <laughs> let me tell you, it was a funny thing. Um, Commissioner Keith Davis here in Walker we County. We know him well. Mm -hmm. Commissioner Davis always has comments about my hair, my hairstyle and all that. It's jealousy um, is what that yeah, is. Yeah, that's what mm -hmm. I call it. But um, Keith and I are good friends, and he makes that joke from time to time. There was an, uh, a scenario where there was a piece of legislation in the, the State House coming to the Senate from the House that was changing the rules for barbers and being able to use a brush 
on the back of your neck or on, on your shirt and that kind of thing. It wound up being a, a health <laughs> Um, a health department issue of some kind. It was something that I didn't particularly understand a little above my pay grade. But anyway, as it was coming to the Senate, it was a huge uh, opportunity for my colleagues to really get me oh, yeah. good. Oh, yeah. And uh, it was a caucus meeting with a lot of laughter and carrying on to where they presented an opportunity for me with the brush to be able to be the guy to carry that barber <laughs> legislation <laughs> because – I was the one that had the most to lose if something yeah. wound up being a problem, you know. So, no, it's it's. I think f- you should consider becoming a consultant at some point Good. for for <laughs> up and comers like this one well, who has had there, a no few uh, hairstyles. As you can see, since I just we've wore a hat other. today since you were coming. I just didn't even want that to be on the table. <laughs> I didn't want the comparisons. I can't handle that. I've well, also understood yeah. that perhaps one of your uh, fellow legislators uh, wanted to do some event, like take money for the opportunity to maybe muss the hair a little bit and, yeah. and do some things. I've heard that that has, has been maybe in the planning stages that we would raise money for children's hospital or mm-hmm. you just know, to something come, just to come mess up Greg Reed's hair. I'm, I'm and, in. Uh, <laughs> I'll pitch in on this. I'm in. So that's always funny. I was, um, from time to time, if somebody says something about my hair, I say to him, look, if I did not color it like this, it would grow out coal black in just a matter of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, we have uh, referred to it as perhaps the most perfect head of hair and, in uh, the state legislature. You know right what? I don't now. just want to stop at the hair, too. I think the outfit's always very well pressed, well, well put together. Uh, if I ever had uh, visions of going any higher, I'd, I'd have to get consulted. The Greg Reed look. I'm always, I'm, I'm a frumpy millennial. It's always mm-hmm. uh, wrinkled up, and I just prefer to wear a hat, frankly. Well, I'm just trying to always represent you all well by looking my best. You, Doesn't you that do sound it. good? You do it. You do it. <laughs> you do well, sir. Well, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. This has been a lot of fun for both of us. So It's been a lot of fun for me. I've, this is the first I've been in public office for nine years. This is the first podcast I've ever done. Oh, man. So uh, I'm honor. excited to do it and glad to do it right here with you guys and um, in good old Walker County in Jasper, Alabama. So it's a lot of fun. We'll do it again. We will. We should do it again. We will. Thank you. Thank you, Senator. And we're back. We hope you enjoyed that interview with Greg as much as we did. And, and just, I think we said it off mic, but we're, I think we're going to have Greg back a lot. Um, I think mm-hmm. he offers a lot because obviously he's going to be able to update where we're going, but um, uh, I think he's probably got a lot of stories that we didn't get to. Mm-hmm. And, and he I certainly, certainly did. Like he hung around and, and talked to us. We had a, a limited time with him because that was a busy day across the board for everybody. Mm-hmm. But he, he hung around and talked to us for a little bit, just casually um and it was his first time doing a podcast and he seemed to enjoy himself i I think he liked the change of pace from god he's answering the same questions over and over and over and that's just got to wear you out i'd get bored i think he really liked the change of pace of an ability to to share himself in a different way Mm -hmm. with us yep so we we look forward to having him back um now for the most part while greg was in the room we were uh, we were adulting we did. This is the part of the episode where we're not really gonna. We're that. at our limit. Let's we're, be honest. Yes. We we have to break free we of that to, at some point. Uh, yeah, we have we have to be who we are. So today we're going to introduce a new segment that I've called "True Story or Fake News." This will follow us through the season. If it's popular into next season, um, it's as simple as I'm going to bring. A story to the table. Hopefully, it's going to be pretty, 
humorous. Um, won't necessarily be political in nature. This one okay. is definitely uh, far afield from adulting. Um, but just bring something crazy to the table. And in the world that we live in, I mean, it's going to be pretty difficult to determine did this yeah, actually um, happen or no. I'm, I'm bordering somewhere that this could be awesome and hilarious or also terrifying or maybe a combination mm-hmm. of the two. Because I think the things that you think yeah, should be I, fake are going to end up being true. <laughs> no, I read a lot of news. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. I'm gonna strive they won't surprise me. Even if I get them wrong, I'll I'm be gonna like, strive yeah, I get to, it. Uh, I'm going to strive to mix it up and, uh, and definitely always, always be humorous. So our first, uh, our first news item here. In 2018, a man who won $125 million in a lottery a lot of money. was arrested after he paid to have manure dumped on his former boss's lawn. That sounds so real. I'm, I'm in on that one. That's you think be, that's a true story? That sounds so true. And let's be honest. Hold on before you tell me I'm wrong. Um, if you won $125 million, how long is the list of people that you might dump some manure on mm-hmm. their lawn? Mm-hmm. I got a few on that list, and I'm sure I'm on a few of those lists. <laughs> you probably are. Um, all right, so tell me. I was so wrong. So, unfortunately, it is fake news. Oh, and, in man. fact, it was one of the top ten fake news articles of 2018 by Facebook engagements, according to BuzzFeed. And that's a thing. So um, I would like to say that I was tainted by uh, a fake Facebook story, but as as you know, I wasn't. Me mm-hmm. um, and Facebook broke up a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So, um, yep. It sounds like a thing that would happen, though. Um, I'm going to tell you, I did about, I don't know, 30 minutes of research uh, just trying to figure out what would be good for the segment and what wouldn't. And by the end of I just had to put it aside because I'm like, I don't think I know what's true anymore. Like, I saw so many things that I was clicking on them thinking, well, that'll be good because I was trying to put them in two piles, you know, one Mm -hmm. for true and one for the fake news. Mm -hmm. And by the end, I was clicking on things that I was like, I'm now having to fact check this story because I'm on a site that I'm not sure if it's legit or not. And so I'm now spending 15 minutes fact checking the thing that I want to put in the true pile. And it's just hurting my head. It, it, and isn't that just terrible? Because that's 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 real, and you can't rely on any one website mm-hmm. for information because you know they may be ninety five percent reliable, but then have five percent of this yeah. stuff too. So, yeah. And while we're on it, um, I think there's a vague definition of fake news out there. I'm using what I think is the traditional, and I'm going to say the correct one. Mm-hmm. Fake news is something that was obviously made up to get clicks. That's it, right? Um, it has very little, if any, basis in truth. Mm. Um, it's usually quite popular. It's not just something that maybe criticized a person or a policy or right, something that caused a strong reaction in you. That's right. It's fake because it's fake, not because it pushed your buttons. And, and, yeah, and let's be very clear on what the original intent of the fake news is. Um, these websites monetize your clicks. Um, you click on them. They have advertisers that pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the same as you pay for ratings on radio or TV, you pay for clicks on the Internet. Mm-hmm. So 
the the more intrigue they have to this story, they don't care if it's true or not. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get you on their website, and they don't care if you read the article or not. They're trying to get you to look at the advertiser. Mm-hmm. So that was the original. That's the OG fake news. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I think that one that one fit quite perfectly because it was believable, mm-hmm. and I still believe it, even though you told mm-hmm. me it's fake. Yeah. And I'm going to fact check you when mm-hmm. we leave to make sure I it mean, was fake. It's hard work to be an educated citizen in this democracy. It just is. It imp- you got to work at it. It requires yeah. you to kind of go against your biases and yeah. say, uh, I, the good rule of thumb I've always heard is if it causes an immediate, like, huge emotional reaction mm-hmm. in you, you should probably take a Step beat back. Yeah. and look into it. And even if it has a large basis, in fact, like you said, the headline was probably yeah. written a certain way to get the reaction. They might have taken a kernel of truth and then, right. you know, uh, left out some pertinent information. Mm-hmm. So just be aware that pe- people are playing with you. They're playing on your emotions. They are. And, and they're winning right we now. We have to be better than <laughs> this. We have to be better than this. So, um, so nope, that's, uh, I think you're going to find that was fake news, but... Uh, that Man. was our first. They're that was our one. first segment. Are we keeping score for all these? Because uh, no, I don't think we're one. keeping score. But I will just put this out there in the world that um, if I have a hard time some week, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to take full advantage of the fact that I may just make something up. <laughs> like, don't expect that this has to be an actual fake news story that exists in the world. I may come up with it, and in a week or two, you may find it on the internet. Like, it may go viral. Well, you know, in, in bold prediction for myself here. I don't think I'm going to get very many of these mm-hmm. right. Um, yeah. I just want to go ahead and put that out there early so that we haven't said. <laughs> Although now that you said it, that's going to be in my brain. Every time I put down true or false without yeah. a story, I'm going to be like, crap, what if he fact checks yeah. me and I'm wrong? That's going to be super Let's, embarrassing because uh, I get paid to do this. So Well, and yeah. I've got a 50-50 shot every time, so keep in perspective yeah. how good so. my odds are. And I still don't have faith in myself to really do well at this. Yeah. So no. Well, all right. That's our second episode. We hope you enjoyed it, and we, we'll see you back next week. And our guests are going to be um, the sheriff. The sheriff. Nick yeah. Smith. Yeah. And Nick Key, who yeah. was instrumental in uh, the successful campaign that got him into his current office. And I think official title for Nick now, uh, Director of Operations, Director I believe, of operations. the Sheriff's Department. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and did, did a great job on the campaign. Just enough to mean pretty much anything. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> he has an office next to the sheriff, yeah, as much he, I know. And he operates things. And he operates things. Yeah. So uh, they'll be our guests next week. We'll see you then. See you guys. Left on Red is a Daily Mountain Eagle production. Copyright 2019, Daily Mountain Eagle, all rights reserved.